Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another Jonah Saller Show episode. For those of you who do not know me, I am the host, Jonah Saller, and my goal in life is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ effectively and faithfully. And so as we tune in this morning, I just want to open in a word of prayer and then we'll get into today's message. So for those of you who are with me, please bow your head in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you right now um, and we praise you and thank you for the good work that you've done through Jesus Christ. Lord, I just stand amazed each and every day that I wake up and I can say that I am saved, not by my own doing, but because of Christ, Lord. I'm so grateful for the sacrifice. I'm so grateful for the life that I have. I'm so grateful for the righteousness I now possess through Jesus Christ. And God, as we open your word this morning and study, I pray that you would speak just life not, not only into those listening, but into me, Lord. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is from you and that I would be guided and led by the Holy Spirit this morning. And so, Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to study your word and to grow closer to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we get started, I entitled today's message, The Dichotomy of Faith and Works. So this issue of faith versus works and the balance between the two, is it one, is it the other, has been facing the Christian church for centuries. This issue was a major part of the Protestant Reformation. Um, For those of us who know a little bit of history, the Catholic Church says its works and faith kind of merged together. The Protestants were adamant and said faith alone And it really does boil down to the exact question, are we saved through faith alone? Or are we saved through faith plus works? As I just stated earlier, the Catholic Church says faith plus works. The Protestants say sola fide, faith alone, and they both have their reasons. They both hold to these reasons firmly with a lot of scripture to explain why they do. And people throughout history have tried to find solutions to these problems. One, the Catholic Church would say they are both seen in Scripture, so the obvious assumption is that we achieve salvation with faith and works. The Reformed folks would stand by faith alone, interpreting some of the seemingly works-based passages differently than Catholics would, would, uh, accommodating the idea of faith alone. And then there are some that say that they clearly see both, but because they don't see a way to resolve it, they opt to either tear out some of Scripture. An example would be Martin Luther, who thought the book of James should be removed from the canon because he mentioned works as a justifier. And then others, known today as mid-Acts dispensationalists or hyper-dispensationalists, would say that there are different Gospels at different times, one that is a mix of faith and works, and another that is faith alone. So as you can clearly see, this is a heated issue within Christianity. Now I want to be clear, the positions I mentioned cannot all be correct. Most of my viewers watching today already know that these positions are not all correct. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to show that scripture is very clear on this subject. God's word from Genesis to Revelation teaches one way to salvation And that is by the grace of God through faith alone. And I will explain both why I believe that and also how I reconcile that 
with passages that seem to involve works, and why holding a belief that salvation is a mix of faith and works is wrong. So first, what we need to start with is where do I even get this idea that we are saved by grace through faith alone? And one of the clearest examples of this comes from the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, please turn there to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in verse 8, and we'll be reading verse 8 and 9. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. This is the word of the Lord. Let's read this together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this passage is extremely clear. By grace we have been saved. And for a moment, I want us to leave the idea of faith aside. We can often shout out faith alone, which I completely agree with, but faith in and of itself doesn't save us. The only faith that saves us is faith that is gifted by the grace of God. God's grace is our salvation. If he did not extend us his grace, we would have no salvation regardless of our so-called faith. This is essential to understand. But secondly, by grace we are saved through faith. Faith is the avenue in which God extends us his grace. And notice, this is not of ourselves, but rather a gift of God given to us. Some would argue that the grace of God is the gift, but the faith is something that comes from us. But again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. His grace is that we are able to have faith. His grace is that we are able to have faith. So therefore, faith is a gift from God, not of ourselves. And notice the next part. Not of works. Not of works so that no man can boast. My friends, Scripture is very clear on this. Grace through faith is what saves, and it is not the result of our works, so that we have no ability to boast in ourselves, period. Very clear. So now the the obvious question is, well, if it's that clear, Jonah, then why do so many people make it about works? And this is where things can get tricky, and these are where things can get a little bit complicated, because we do see works-based passages all over Scripture. For example, Colossians 3, 23-24, Whatever you do, work heartily, for, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Romans 2, 6-10, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. So we see judged according to works. The Jew and the Greek judged based on who does evil and glory and honor for those who do good. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, 
disobedient, unfit for any good work. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. John 14.15 The words of Christ himself, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very clear. And finally, one of the main passages that brings this argument to its fullness. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that man is justified by works, and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, You can clearly see there is a lot in the Bible that talks about works. A lot that it talks about works. And here's the mistake that I think people make when they read these passages. The mistake they make is that they lump this whole works thing into an element which contributes to our salvation. Scripture does not teach that. Our works have nothing to do with our salvation. But our works have everything to do with the result of our salvation. And this distinction is essential to understanding the relationship between faith and works. Two people that I need to commend in my study of this particular issue that have helped me tremendously have been uh, Pastor John Piper and Pastor Jeff Durbin. Both of these men have really been phenomenal resources as I prepared for this message specifically, so I feel it best to mention their names along with just a sincere thank you uh, for their help as I have tackled this very difficult task. So with that being said, what do I mean by our works have nothing to do with salvation, but our works have everything to do with the result of our salvation? What I mean is simply this. Salvation is through faith alone. Works do not play a role in our salvation. None whatsoever. Our salvation in standing with God is solely through the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. This is essential doctrine, so you cannot miss this. I'm going to repeat it 
Because I want you to, if you have a notebook, write this down. This is the gospel. Salvation is through faith alone. Works do not play a role in our salvation. None whatsoever. Our salvation and standing with God is solely through the imputed righteousness of Christ Jesus alone. So, what then is the role of works? Simple. Works is the evidence of saving faith. Again, works is the evidence of saving faith. Works is not part of the saving faith, but works is the evidence that the faith you claim to have is indeed real. As James says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So we see very clearly, belief is not enough. The reason that this belief is not enough is because everyone believes. Everyone believes. And where do I get that? I get that from Romans chapter 1. This is important, so please, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse is 18 through 23. I want you to take notes on this passage because this is, this is so important to grasp that every man on the face of the earth believes. This is what Romans 1, 18 through 23 says. Please read along with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Why? For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because, notice this next part, although they knew God, they knew God, they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Verse 19, God showed it to them. Verse 21, they knew God. God showed it to them they knew God, but they did not glorify him. All men believe and know that God exists, but all men suppress the truth. Why? Because of unrighteousness. God has shown them himself. God has shown them himself. Therefore, all of humanity has gone in their wickedness, though they knew God. So we see the demons believe and shudder. All humanity knows that God is real, so the problem is not that we need faith and works to be saved, but that through saving faith, we cannot help ourselves but to do good because of a work that has been done in us through the power of Christ. I want to prove this point, prove it without a shadow of a doubt. The point that works are not a part of salvation, but rather acts that accompany saving faith. And I want to do this by looking at two passages that seem to contradict. And I want to show the unity that we find between them. 
This is very, very important. This is the crux of my message today. So please take notes on these and please turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to be reading 1 through 12, and I want you to pay very close attention to this. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Listen to this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? Verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are counted as not as grace, but as debt. Verse 5, this is remarkable. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. What? The one who does not work is justified. But the one who works, it's not counted as grace, but as debt. Verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Abraham justified before circumcision. Listen to this next part. This is Abraham justified before circumcision. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? Well, he was a circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So, notice, Paul very clearly teaches that righteousness does not come through works, but through the imputed righteousness of faith. This is abundantly clear in this passage. And more specifically, Abraham's righteousness did not come about through his deeds, but rather his faith alone. With that being said, we've got to go over now and look at James chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Because a lot of people say, oh my goodness, James completely contradicts Paul. James 2, 21 through 24. Please hold your place in Romans 4. We're going to be going back and forth between these two. James 2, 21 through 24. Notice what James says. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works. Hold on a second. Justified by works? Paul just said justified by faith. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works the faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. 
You see then that a man is justified by works and not faith alone. So notice in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, says, What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And in James, we see that same thing. Verse 23, And Scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul says by faith, James says by works with faith. Is this a contradiction within Scripture? It seems like it is. When you compare these texts, it becomes very difficult to see congruency. But sometimes we try to look at things with such a narrow lens that we miss the big picture. And also, I, I need you to remember, stick with me here. I am trying to make the case that faith alone saves and works acts as evidence of that. And I think these passages make that case for me. And the first thing to do is we need to look at the historical timeline given in each passage. What do we see in Romans? Well, what we see in Romans is that Abraham is being justified by his faith alone. But the most important, important road mark is, was this before or after he was circumcised? If you guys were sitting here, I would have you answer this. But the text clearly says this was before he was circumcised. Before he was circumcised, Abraham was justified. In James, we see Abraham is being justified by his works through what? Through the offering of Isaac. When did that take place? That took place after his circumcision. So we see before he was circumcised, Paul says he was justified. And then James describes an action which took place after his circumcision. So was Abraham not actually justified when Paul said he was? Or is there a deeper message here? The truth is, we do have a deeper picture. And it's a picture of exactly what I just described. Abraham was justified by faith alone, just as Paul says. Imputed righteousness from God. Nothing more, nothing less. Because of this reality, because he possessed the imputed righteousness of God himself, when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac, he proved this imputed righteousness by saying, Yes, Lord. His saving faith had nothing to do with his offering Isaac. But the saving faith he possessed was made known through his willingness to obey God. Thus, a man is justified by works and not by faith only. The bottom line is this. James was not nullifying the reality of faith alone. He is condemning the idea that a dead faith can save a man. Notice in verses 15 and 16 of James, he gives this example. And this is really important to understanding. If a brother and sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? As Pastor Jeff Durbin puts it, If you see someone naked, cold, and in need of food, and you respond by saying, Have peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't follow through by giving them anything, what does that tell you about what you just said? It tells you that it's fake. In other words, if you say that you have faith in Christ, but your life looks exactly like the world, what does that say? 
It says that your faith is fake. Now, I give this harsh reminder for the same reason that James did. There were some people which were twisting the gospel of grace to mean something it never did. And that is this, that any kind of faith alone will save. And that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that saving faith is a faith that is accompanied by good works. Simple as that. The problem we run into is that when people hear this idea of faith alone made known through good works, they automatically start feeling a sense of condemnation. Am I doing enough to be sure my faith is real? And friends, this is a huge problem because in that moment, we've lost sight of the distinct separation between faith and works. Here's the deal. When we are saved through faith, it is a gift from God. Meaning that if we envision a tree or a vine as the Bible describes, we must remember that Christ is the vine. We are the branches. Christ is the root and we are the branches of the tree. Now here's a question. Can branches grow any fruit without the root? No. Can you even have a branch without a root? No, because if the root's not there, there's no growth, there's no branches. So what this means is that by faith, as the Bible clearly describes in Romans, we are grafted into a pre-existing vine, which is Christ. When that happens, fruit grows as a byproduct of being part of the vine. What did the branch do? Nothing. The branch lived from the vine, from the nutrients and the growth of the vine. Brothers and sisters, please don't miss this picture. The reason James is so harsh with this point is that by denying that works accompany saving faith, one denies Jesus as the source of our salvation. If he saved us, we are in him. If we are in him, we cannot help but to grow. And that growth is different for everyone. It's not a cut and dry image. That's why we can't say this person's a better Christian than this person. No two branches are exactly alike, except for the fact that they are both part of the same vine. The same vine that nourishes, feeds, and produces fruit in them. So why is there no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? The reason there's no condemnation is because we are saved by grace through faith alone, with an imputed righteousness that results in fruit that comes as a result of the vine that we belong to. And so, as we begin to wrap things up, I want to go back and read the passage we started this whole thing with. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2, instead of just reading verses 8 and 9, we're going to read verses 8, 9, and 10. Because I want you to see the little add-on that Paul gives in verse 10 that is just so incredible. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Period. And that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice, saved by grace, through faith, not as a result of our works, but we are created for good works which God himself has prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. These good works were prepared for us beforehand and we were created for them. And friends, don't miss this. How do we access these good works? We access them by plugging into the one who brings them to life by grace through faith. We access the good works that we were created for by plugging into the vine who brings them to life by grace, through faith. If salvation was a combo of faith and works, we wouldn't be able to take seriously the thief on the cross who did nothing but say, remember me in paradise. If salvation was a combo of faith and works, we would have to discredit the tax collector who went home justified after saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. Both men justified by faith. There was no time for all these good works to contribute to the salvation. But do you know what they did do? They both saw their sin, their need for a Savior, and both men repented. The fruit, right there, the fruit of the vine, the repentance, the fruit of the vine. This is exactly what James was talking about. Saving faith is a faith that says, I have nothing that I can bring to the table. I need you, Jesus. I need you and I have nothing. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And when you find your total rest in what he has done, you will bear the fruit of the vine who saved you and grafted you into himself. When you recognize that you have nothing to bring to the table, when you recognize that there is not a single ounce of effort that could possibly bring you to a place of righteousness. And you simply say, Lord, I need you. Have mercy on me as Savior. That there plugs you in to the vine. And through that vine, you will bear fruit through the one who saved you and grafted you in to himself. Friends, don't get this doctrine twisted. Don't get the idea that the more you do, the better and better your faith gets. It's not about that at all. This message of this doctrine is condemnation on those that would sit and say, I believe, while practicing wickedness. But this doctrine is a comfort and a peace for those who are in the vine through faith alone. We, Christians, can take so much comfort in recognizing that we have been grafted into a vine that produces good works in us. Because we were created to be plugged into the vine. We were created to be in Christ Jesus. We were created for fellowship with him. And through the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ... We have access to the fruit that comes as a result of that. So as I close today, I want to encourage you with the words of, of John Piper. Listen to this. This is just precious, precious truth. You can only please God with an act of obedience 
that's rooted in the confidence that he's already 100% on your side. I want to say that again. You can only please God with an act of obedience that's rooted in the confidence that he's already 100% on your side. Friends, we cannot live with a sense of no condemnation if we feel a sense that we're not fully secure. We cannot live with a sense of no condemnation if we're constantly pushing towards this, this, this goal in our heads of I've got to get to a place of being a better and better Christian. The only way that we can be fruitful and fully enjoy Christ in this Christian walk is if we recognize that salvation has been done and we are now living in the reality that we have the privilege to work out what has already been worked in. If we are not secure, we live with a sense of condemnation. We can only act in obedience when we know that we already possess security. So now, let's pray to God and thank Him for the clarity of His Word. Thanking Him for the righteousness of Christ. Thanking Him for the imputed righteousness through Christ that comes by grace through faith alone. Let's pray together. Father God, this is a profound truth. This is a truth that has been so twisted throughout history, Lord. The balance, the dichotomy between works and faith, how do we balance them? Lord, I pray that the preaching today has been so clear, Lord, that through faith alone we have the fullness of salvation. And because we possess that, fruit will naturally flow, not as a result of our efforts, but as a result of the vine that we are grafted into. And God, as we go today on about our lives, Lord, I pray that we would not act out of a sense of obligation, but we would act out of a sense of freedom, a sense of joy in the fact that we can freely express the fruits of a Christianity because we have Christ in us and we are in Christ. I thank you for each and every person who tuned in this morning. And I pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.